Hi, my name's Enzo, and I live on the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and the Mississaugas of the Credit River nations. I, Jasper, live on lands covered by the Williams Treaties that are the traditional territory of the Mississaugas, a branch of the greater Anishinaabeg nation which includes Algonquin, Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi. So what does that have to do with weed? Cannabis prohibition is intertwined with the history of colonialism in Canada, and laws against possession and trafficking have been used disproportionately against indigenous people. We're all treaty people, so let's do our part to learn the untold histories of the land we live on. Leaf Debrief cares about developing brains. Listen, we're not narcs, but studies show that regular consumption of cannabis by adolescent users causes more severe, longer-lasting problems than in adult users, including problems with executive function, memory, and a greater likelihood of addiction and psychosis. Please don't listen to this show until you're over the age of consumption in your province. Better yet, wait until you're 25. Then you can smoke as much weed as you want. And that's science. Do you consider yourself a sandwich artist? Do I consider myself a sandwich artist? Yeah. You know, I haven't actually thought about that. I've, I mean, I make a pretty mean sandwich, but... So you do. Consider myself so a sandwich. So you agree. <laughs> I... So you do think you're pretty. Easy there, Ben Shapiro. That was Regina George. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was quoting Regina George. <laughs> ben Shapiro. Ouch. Welcome to Leaf Debrief. A, uh, 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 a beloved water park, theme park, go-kart track, and water slide emporium that you went to once for your eighth birthday, and despite what the commercials promised, you didn't really have all that great a time. It certainly wasn't the time of your life. But this is the one life you've got, and you are spending it listening to a show called Leaf Debrief. A cannabis education and appreciation podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Enzo. I'm Jasper, and I want off the ride. <laughs> <laughs> you got me good there. You are not tall enough to ride, Enzo. Oh, come on now. I'm like <laughs> just slightly below average height. Welcome to another I, episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm in this like awkward spot where like I'm not like a tall man, but I'm not a short king either. Do you consider yourself a short king, Jasper? A short king? Uh, I consider myself a pretty average pauper, I suppose. Pauper? A pauper. Like cannabis and tobacco and a bong? <laughs> I was thinking PAU. Yeah, I knew but, it. I, I know. Okay. I was just riffing. Do, do people still still call them poppers? Or I've seen many people online call them that, but I don't know where they come from. And I'm also always completely confused because I am thinking of alkyl nitrates. Which yes. is not what they're talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very different poppers. But if you are an audience member who's listening and we haven't already alienated you, welcome to Leaf Debrief. <laughs> welcome to Leaf Debrief. Welcome to Leaf Debrief. It is uh, spooky season. Have you seen the... Uh, have you seen the OCS's curated collection of cultivars with spooky names? I have not seen that. I did a big OCS order last weekend and I haven't, I'm like totally maxed out for weed. I don't need any more. I do need some CBD oil, but no, I haven't seen it. No. Was it good? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's basically just, uh, I think, a bunch of White Widow and Ghost Train Haze. I just thought it was kind of funny. And when this when this episode releases, it will be, I think, the day before Halloween. So Halloween. I guess this is our Halloween special. Oh, okay. Good thing we picked a super scary topic like health. 
<laughs> yeah, we, I don't we think we planned maybe, that. We could have maybe put a little bit more effort into it, but here we are. Here we are. Why don't we start off talk about what's new? Well, we have now officially reached the two years of legalization mark. So on October 17th, it was official. We reached the anniversary. Uh, so we've now been able to buy our weed legally from OCS and otherwise for two years now. And a lot has happened since we're probably, uh, we, we don't have enough time to go into what has changed, I don't think. But uh, it's been quite a wild ride, wouldn't you say? Yeah, everything's changed. And yet, Absolutely nothing has also. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like every single episode we're just like Cam and Joel, adult cannabis enthusiast podcast, but they were talking about it. Uh, they got a great anniversary episode where they reflect on all the positive changes that have happened in the last couple of years and where we still need to go. And I thought that was great. So maybe we won't. It was a great idea, but we don't want to bite it. Lots of change, though. Great. Can't wait for more change. Change is the only constant of our accursed lives on this this strange and mysterious planet. <laughs> So what's new and what's happening in like the last couple of weeks? What we have written here is more new skews. More new skews. I still don't know what skews mean. Uh, really? I've never worked retail. Oh, oh, that's... I'm like the one person that I've, I've worked every service job except retail. Uh, a SKU is a stock keeping unit. And I think it's basically just the number that goes on a barcode. I mean, why couldn't that just be the barcode? Why couldn't the barcode and the barcode number be one and the same entity well because this is retail and the more we can obfuscate things for the consumer the better but we have new SKUs. we have new SKUs. delta nine from bc yes yeah delta nine from bc uh, a couple new things from them another one from bc as well citizen stash which we mentioned on a previous show but did uh said we wouldn't be reviewing because they weren't on ontario but now they are they are now uh-huh occupying the premium end of the price spectrum of course yeah they have a couple of i guess midzy type offerings that i've tried recently they got the sage and sour and i just recently picked up the sunset sherbet as well which i was sampling a little bit of this morning and how was it uh, honestly, I'm gonna have to get more of a read on it. It visually kind of reminds me of the Masigu White Wedding, to be honest. The smell was a little muted when I first cracked it open, but it got a little nutty, kind of like a pistachio after I busted it up, so interesting stuff. I also picked up some of that Royal City that just popped up. Not much to say on that yet. Because you haven't tried it? I have not tried it, no. Uh, well, I, I measured the humidity on it, and that's about it, which looks great. It looks great, but no, I haven't sampled it yet. An apology to our listeners. I've been measuring the humidity all wrong. I, oh, thought, it, I thought the hygrometers worked quickly. They don't. Oh. <laughs> Hello, cannabis reviewer here with a skill set that will soon include how to take humidity readings properly. Yeah, I think it takes about a half an hour for it to completely stabilize. Good to know. Definitely was not putting that much time into it. How much were you putting into it? Mm, like move the decimal symbol two times. 30 seconds? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might get kind of... Uh, it's going to be different from the room humidity at 30 seconds, that's for sure. And, and that's all I was looking for. I was like, well, there's a difference here. So every day is a beautiful gift where I am brought low by my ignorance. Boaz as well, right? Boaz. This is a brand I've seen quite a few lovely photos from mm -hmm. other reviewers. Yeah, I haven't picked this one up yet. This is, I think, at the pricier end of the spectrum, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I mean, I actually haven't looked. I just saw their names. I, th I feel like it was like $14, $15, so yeah, pricier. Like Simply Bear range. Yeah. And then uh, next on the list, we have Shred. I find this this company's branding kind of fun. It's, it's very self-consciously 90s throwback. 
Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Late 90s, probably early 2000s, but it's definitely yeah. got that like Tony, Tony Hawk's Hawk. Pro Skater 2. Yeah. <laughs> so even though I was never cool enough to be a skater as a child and have no hand-eye coordination, foot-eye coordination, foot-body coordination, uh, you know, have a bit of a soft spot for that aesthetic anyway. Right. Yeah. And you were actually the one who sent this to me first uh, because of my, I guess, association. Because you are a skater. Yeah. You are a a border i'm a border that's right i shred the gnar so i don't know i'm still not interested in this product i know they're marketing directly to me and i will admit their branding did catch my eye i like their designs but eh. it's, also they're you know like their shtick is a little bit funny like here's another pre-ground blend and we're going to market it based on like the apparent flavor profile narberry so, <laughs> narberry flower power and then uh, I feel like it's like Tropical Twist or something. I'm still not going to buy it because I would absolutely not spend money on a pre-milled product. No, no, not buying fucking pre-ground. I don't buy pre-milled pepper. I don't buy pre-milled coffee. And I will not buy pre-milled weed either. I think that's a good policy. Like so many oils and beautiful smells and things are very volatile. They are fleeting. And in a pre-ground product... You're going to lose a lot of that, I think. Anyway, yeah, not not going to get the shred. Although I have seen through the grapevine, and by the grapevine I mean Twitter, that it, it tastes good. It's, it seems to be a hit with the people who bought it. So power to you. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll review it one day. Maybe if, if anyone ever sends us an email and they send it about shred Narberry and they say, you got to give this a shot. <laughs> we will shred the Narberry. Eventually, maybe. Maybe. Uh, what else do we... We have a note saying that you are going through your weed. <laughs> After last episode, and you ruthlessly attacking me over my emotional attachment to pretty buds. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I take such... I've been polite about it, but I'm, I'm taking quite a bit of umbrage from your characterization of this exchange. I cried myself to sleep that night. Did you? <laughs> no. You didn't. I may have felt like I was going to. Really? This is the only way I can get you. <laughs> By appealing to my, like, my sense of guilt? Yes, absolutely. You take it hook, line, and sinker every time. Oh, come on. Anyway, yeah, after that- Yeah, I went to Catholic school. I walk around with a, a terrible, like, a cloud of guilt over my head every single day. Is that my fault? Is that, is that so terrible? No, it just means you're a feeling human. And that's what I love about you. A feeling human. <laughs> a feeling human. Cool. You're going through your weed. I'm going through my weed. After that conversation, yeah, I actually ended up taking my final pictures, as you suggested. I took some really nice ones, and I immediately posted them to Twitter, made a nice long thread of all my favorite, most prettiest buds, and decided I was going to start smoking some of them. And since I made that decision, I have actually cleared out, I think, six or seven of my mason jars. So, nice. uh, yeah, we're, we're moving through it nice and quickly now. And I have free jars for new things to come. I, I still feel a little bit broken up about some of these buds, but I just wanted to say that I think you'd be proud of me. I am proud of you. Thank you. Even though you, you managed to get your digs in at every step of the process. You, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> my digs. Excuse me. You were on my back so much last episode. I need, I need to get my cracks in whenever I can. Okay, if you insist. <laughs> well, I think that's about it for what's new. So what is on our discussion plate for today? I think... <sighs> we always call it plates, eh? Why, why is it always a meal? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe what's in our discussion bowl? 
What, what have we rolled health. up in our discussion paper? Cannabis and your health. Parentheses. Part one. Why is this part one? Because this is an extremely wide and generic topic. Like, that title alone could fit 35 different episodes probably, right? Yeah, I guess so. And when we had originally put this on our notes, I think we had just written down dealing with health practitioners. So it's kind of widened already from that uh, from that initial pinhole. Totally. I mean, human health, physiological, psychological health is such a complicated, complex process in human beings. And it is, I mean, it drives a large amount of our culture and commerce, right? So trying to talk about cannabis in that context, there are so many different ways that you could go with it. And I think we're going to start off with two aspects today and leave the, the part one is just leaving room for more exploration under this subject later. Okay, so we're just kind of leaving it open-ended, is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't have, you know, part two isn't coming next week, but there's going to be a part two. There's lots of things to talk about. So what I thought that we would focus on this episode is that I'm going to talk about a problem that a lot of people can have, which is talking to their health practitioners about their cannabis use. And you, if I'm not mistaken, are going to talk about your past experiences in the healthcare system and like switching to medical. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, I'm just going to be talking about the experiential side of what you're talking about. I think there's one thing that we need to say off the bat, which is we've kind of implied it, but we've never said it explicitly that um, I think as as long as we're talking about cannabis's impacts on health, I'd say that we maybe take a cautious harm reduction standpoint. And harm reduction, I don't have an official definition in front of me, but harm reduction is a school of like basically addiction or treatment which says that abstinence hasn't worked. It doesn't work. We have high, high failure rates for 12-step treatment. You know, a science has arisen out of it, but it's based on kind of like the cultural parameters of the early 20th century where AA and the 12-step model was developed. And we can see that in almost all aspects of drug treatment, harm reduction says that people are going to do drugs. You cannot operate from the premise that people, that it is possible to get people to not do drugs. Yes, we've seen this. We've known this for years. People are going to do things that are not necessarily advantageous to their health for short-term benefit all the time because that is how our brains work. That is how our brains have evolved to work. So we operate from the premise that is like being uncritical of your marijuana usage automatically good? Not necessarily but like everything that you can do to make it less harmful to you is a good thing. We're talking about baby steps. We're just talking about like setting intentions is harm reduction, saying I'm only going to have three bowls today. That is a very small method of harm reduction. So here at Leaf Debrief, we always want to say that like it's good to be critical about everything in your life. You know, you want to be examining your habits, your predilections. And when it comes to your health, you always want to be optimized, you know, uh, (laughs) optimized. Real <laughs> phrasing. Optimize your health. No, just like everybody's concerned about their health. Everybody wants to make good choices. But good. part of making good choices is understanding that you can't always make the perfect choice. Okay, I see what you're saying. So letting perfect be the enemy of good, basically. Yeah, because that causes black and white thinking, which causes cognitive dissonance, which makes people retreat into defensiveness. Which makes the problem worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, I forget what I was saying, but yeah. You were talking harm about reduction. harm reduction. <laughs> I am talking about harm reduction. So I just want to stay, like, 
because we're talking about drugs, we want to say that we are coming from a harm reduction standpoint. That, you know, drug use on its own is not, it's not necessarily good, it's not necessarily bad, but there are, uncir- there are unquestionably circumstances which drug use is bad or harmful. Using cannabis can cause physical harms as much as it can cause physical boons for a lot of people. And we've got to be sensitive to the fact that there, this is a spectrum of experiences that we're talking about. And why I talk about this to begin with is because I want to talk about how, I want to talk about how to talk to a doctor about your cannabis uses. Because one of the, I I would say like one of the cornerstones of not harm reduction as a philosophy, but harm reduction as it is practiced is kind of being honest with your healthcare professionals in your life so that you can have the best care. They can be as informed about your situation and you can be informed about what you're taking from them. And I think this is important. I need to say first off the bat, I totally understand why people are not honest about their cannabis uses with their doctor especially if their doctor is older. There are a lot of prejudices. Healthcare professionals are people. They have biases, conscious and unconscious, as all of us do. And many healthcare professionals, especially in the past, are biased against cannabis use. You want to jump in here? Because I know that you (laughs) have something to say about this, right? Yeah, yeah, I was absolutely. um, I was just waiting for an opportunity so I didn't cut you off or anything like that. No, because I, I, I realized that I was talking a lot, but I was like, I didn't know where you wanted to come in in the mix. But yeah, I think I could just pass back over to you. You find it difficult to establish that rapport with your healthcare professionals, right? Yes. Uh, historically, I found it very difficult, uh, sometimes impossible. So you, you, I think, have had very good luck. And I recognize that, you know, it, the, my experience is not universal, nor is your experience universal. Everybody's my gonna... experience is definitely not universal. In fact, my experience with doctors is atypical. Doctors are rightfully criticized by many people for being like kind of arrogant and like having a God complex is is, like the cultural model that we had for much of the 20th century about it. And I mean, in many ways, they do possess exceptional abilities. It's a very hard job. It's one that we privilege in society for good reason. But, you know, that can lead to some obstinacy, difficulty uh, to consider any viewpoint other than their own that they've like perfected over years of study. And so... There's maybe like, you know, 30 minutes on bedside manner, but there's not a class on how to treat your patients like human beings. That's not in the course curriculum. No. And so some doctors don't. I, I guess so, yeah. I, I mean, are we talking about general lack of empathy or just actually outdated training? And Both. Yeah, okay. Because, I mean, it, there's a whole spectrum, I think, in terms of what can go wrong between you and your doctor there. So, for instance, my old family doctor was the pediatrician who basically, uh, since my delivery from the womb, had been my family doctor. So, I don't know. Some people are just... They have awkward situations whereby this is the person who watched you grow up and is going to already have biases just based on, I guess, their emotional feelings towards you. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. Also, you know, I'm sure that most pediatricians are not pro-cannabis because that is not, that's not like their expertise, right? We're generally not trying to get kids on any sort of drug if we can avoid it. And not all doctors are of the opinion that we should be keeping them off drugs as much as possible. Yes, for certain conditions. That's true. Why am I bringing this up? I just want to say part of the reason that I've had very good luck with doctors is that I I go in, I have health anxiety. I have anxiety in a couple different areas of my life, but one of the persistent ones since I was a young kid, and I come by it totally honestly, runs generations in my family, is health anxiety or hypochondria. Knowing this about myself and like 
being upfront about doctors when I first encounter them is part of the reason I endear myself to them a little bit. Because the first thing I'm doing when I'm meeting a new doctor and moving or something is I go in and say, hi, I have health anxiety. I'm going to be in your office a lot. Just tell me I don't write. Give me the test if you think it'll help. But if you don't, just say, I don't think that's anything to worry about. And like, send me on my way. And that leads to me feeling dismissed a lot of the time. But it's also like, I need to go in that there with that approach. Because otherwise I'm going to be like really annoying them. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess like my attitude is that I just try to go in and be like, here's who I am. And part of that is saying like, I am a cannabis user. Yes. Yeah. You've historically very been very honest with your doctors about your cannabis use. I do know that about you. Uh, Yeah. I try to be as honest with them. All patients lie. This is just a fact of medical treatment. Like they account for that in like doctors are trained to like figure out whether or not their patients are lying because they need to make decisions based on you know information that the patient might not be able to give them or might not be willing to give them but i do think that when you're adding cannabis which is a complicated substance it's it's a botanical substance that contains a lot of different chemicals some of which can have interactions with other medications or you know like it's it's not it's never comfortable in fact i usually feel like i've i've had my my back waxed emotionally after I have the (laughs) chat with a doctor, but I do feel much better when I'm honest with them. And I find that that's led to better care for me. Yeah. And there are, like you said, there are plenty of interactions to be aware of. We do tend to think of cannabis as a very non-interacting substance, but this is not the whole story. And I even have a little bit of anecdata on that. Back in the late 2000s, I actually ended up having to go to the hospital for a catastrophic shoulder dislocation. Uh, something that you, Enzo, are very familiar with. You've seen it happen before. Yeah. But yeah, this is one of my worst dislocations. And yeah, I did end up in the hospital. So when I was in the hospital, there were a couple of options that they presented to me for uh, putting my arm back in place, a reduction, I think it's called. So in order to reduce my dislocated shoulder, they needed to either put me under general anesthesia or give me morphine. The doctors assured me that it would be a very, very painful process. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was offered those two options. And one of the first things they asked me was, have I taken any drugs? And I had to be forthcoming with them. I had taken some LSD that night. So uh, I already had something in my system. But I do remember that after I copped up to that, they did specifically ask me whether I had taken any cannabis. And I kind of just shrugged it off and be like, you know, we're just like, yeah, I sure I've smoked some weed thinking that, you know, if they know about the LSD, then it's got to be no big deal. Uh, but Ultimately, I, they ended up going with the morphine as opposed to the general anesthesia. To this day, I don't know what the calculus in their decision was, but I've learned recently uh, a lot of scholarly articles have started to surface about cannabis interacting, well, not interacting, but affecting general anesthesia, specifically people uh, requiring massive amounts more general anesthesia to stay asleep, which sends a chill down my spine. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So if you do use cannabis on a chronic basis, it is incredibly important that if if you're too embarrassed to talk to your doctor about it, cool, that's all right. I won't fault you for that. But please, for the love of God and your own sake, talk to your anesthesiologist about it. Because (laughs) that shit is scary. I mean, when if you're in the ER, like, or if you're, like, on the surgical table, like, yes. You need, it, you absolutely need full disclosure. It's a little different in a situation with family doctors because you're usually not going for like an emergency thing. 
But yeah, the, the people in the ER, they need to know that shit. And it is sometimes a matter of life and death or a matter of you waking up on the table. So, <laughs> oh, just, what an, uh, oh God. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. And now I'm going to have nightmares about it. So there's our, there's our Halloween special for you. I'm going to try to be brief, not my specialty, um, <laughs> about these next couple topics. So we've talked about like kind of the emotional blockages you might have for very good reason about wanting to talk to your doctor. And for many people, that's just like a desire to not be treated like shit, which is a totally natural human desire. Everybody wants that. So if you've got a doctor that's like just a jerk, if you can get a new one, please, please do, because your health is important. And it's important to find someone you have a rapport with. Yeah. And the process may not even be as difficult as you think. I avoided it for a very long time. Anyway, it's come leaps and bounds in the last couple of years. Uh, if you live in Ontario, there is actually a free service, a free government service that will hook you up with a new family doctor. Uh, so that was a massive improvement from the way it used to be. And I was hooked up within a couple of weeks and managed to change my family doctor, which was a huge saving grace for my healthcare regimen. Respect and empathy are two-way streets. And I wanted to to have a very brief discussion. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a healthcare professional. But there is, I do find that I am treated better by healthcare professionals when I can sort of like, when I've done my research, but not like in the WebMD sense, you know, <laughs> like they don't want you coming in being like, I have these four symptoms. And so I know I have, I know I have appendicitis. You they mean don't doctors don't like that? No, they absolutely do not. And like, you know, <laughs> if I were a less self-aware person, I would be that guy. I still am that guy. But I find that a little bit of knowledge or a little bit of research in your back pocket, if you can drop a few of the lingo words, like that shows them that you're an informed consumer, you get a little bit more respect, I've found. Okay, so I, so circle this back to cannabis for me. Yes, there is a point. I mean, I don't have a survey of healthcare professional attitudes across sectors on cannabis. I just don't have that information. But it does seem like the people most opposed to cannabis usage by patients are not family doctors, are in fact psychiatrists and addiction specialists. Mm, okay, interesting. And I want to introduce a concept to our listeners that explains a little bit why psychiatrists and addiction specialists in particular have negative views of cannabis. It comes back to the variables part, you know? We're talking about cannabis is a complicated substance. It has a lot of interactions. Cannabis is not a consistent substance, unlike an SSRI, an antidepressant. You know, you're not getting exactly 10 milligrams of all of the same components in that plant every single time. There's some variation. So that makes it hard to integrate into a medical regimen. But the concept that I want to introduce is called allosteric load. Enzo, it's okay. It's okay that you wrote down allostatic but said allosteric instead. It's okay that Jasper trusted you and went with your pronunciation for the whole episode. It's okay, because Jasper is a great editor and also a nice guy. Allosteric load. You know what homeostasis is, right? Yes. So homeostasis is uh, kind of the return to an averaging out, I'd say. I guess uh, ho homeo... Here, break down these root words for me, will you? Stasis is balance. Okay. Homeo is t together or... Um, I'm honestly not sure what homeo is because the only other word I know with that as the the root is homeopathy, which like isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm not actually sure. But homeostasis is the body's tendency to return to baseline. Yes. When you use a substance every day, whether or not that's insulin, an SSRI, or cannabis, your brain wants to be as close to its default setting 
as possible. When you use cannabis, THC changes the chemical makeup of your brain. Your brain doesn't like that and it adapts to the stimulus. Just like when you exercise, you tear your muscles, your muscles get bigger, they inflame, and then your body rebuilds them so they get a little bit bigger. Your body's always like trying to regulate itself. Basically, not from your perspective as a happy-go-lucky stoner who wants to, you know, elevate your mood a little before you go on a beautiful walk to admire nature, but from the perspective of like your physiological body, using cannabis is a stressor. It's like a stimulus, and it causes your body to adapt to that stimulus. Yeah, I mean, anything that you put into your body that isn't food or water is probably going to be a stressor in some way. Absolutely. It costs your body resources to maintain homeostasis. In the case of THC, your body like is like, oh, there's way too much THC. There's way too much like THC in here. I'm going to reduce the number of receptors that we have, CB1 downregulation. There's a cost to that. It causes, it costs your body energy. Your body needs to rely on chemical like signals to do that work. And the concept of allostatic load is that over time, these tiny little stressors add up. They have a cost to the body. When you are going through withdrawal from a substance, any substance, your body experiences stress. Psychiatrists and addiction specialists do not like cannabis and many other drugs because they know that even if you don't necessarily agree, from their perspective, you are adding a bunch of stress onto your body and mind if you are an everyday user of cannabis because your body is constantly going from a state of withdrawal to satiation and everything in between. Those are resources that causes, you know, like it it uses up energy. And over time, that can make health problems worse because of the constant stress. That constant stress is called allostatic load. And so I think that if you are having a conversation with a health professional, it will help you to demonstrate that you understand the concept of chronic stress. And this is not just like stress as in I'm anxious, I'm stressed out, I'm worried about my job. This is physical stress. What were you going to ask? I was just going to ask you to qualify, I guess, the difference in allostatic load between uh, cannabis and, say, a drug that a doctor might prescribe you, such as, uh, you know, a a psychiatrist or an addiction specialist, maybe not an addiction specialist, but a psychiatrist might prescribe you an SSRI. So is that going to be causing allostatic load? Absolutely. Cannabis has a very short half-life. We know this. Mm -hmm. For regular users, like, you're probably consuming every couple hours because you want to maintain that that certain amount of THC. Substances with shorter half-lives tend to have more destructive withdrawals from a physiological standpoint. A lot of doctors that, a lot of drugs that psychiatrists prescribe actually have long half-lives, and this sort of, like, lessens that impact. Because you're not going through withdrawal eight times a day, you're probably only going through withdrawal once at, like, 4 a.m. when you're asleep. Right, right before you've taken your next dose or whatever. Yeah. So that is one reason. Another reason is that cannabis can worsen some mental disorders. We know that it's particularly bad for people with psychosis, although you will meet lots of psychosis patients who love cannabis and think it helps them. You know, it's just in the data, it's it's known to increase number of psychotic episodes, for example. So statistically speaking. Yes. Not for you individually. I'm not trying to tell you how your life is. So that's one reason. And again, it comes back to variables. Cannabis just has so many variables, it's very difficult to control. And there are some patients for whom drugs are maybe a bad idea. You know, recreational drugs are a bad idea. And they're not necessarily going to know that. And so like, there's the competing desires of the individual with their liberty to decide their own health choices and their decision to use drugs and the doctor's goal, which is to improve the patient's health. 
This is going all over the place, but we're not going to solve this today. Certainly not with that explanation. But I just want to put the seed into any of our listeners who might be having difficulty talking to their doctors about their cannabis use. Maybe they see a psychiatrist and they're they're not sure how to broach the subject. Having a little bit of information onto their process and what they're they're considering can help you deal with them when they're being a jerk to you. And like, you know, when you can just sit with that discomfort of having someone that you're going to see for 10 minutes in an office completely dismiss something that you've been obsessing over for like three weeks because it's really important to you because it's your health. You can sit with that discomfort and you can come with the intention to still be honest and meet them where they are. And that might encourage them to meet you where you are. And I don't want to put the blame on, I'm not shifting the blame to patients. This is a two-way street. I just like I figure that there are maybe more people having difficulty talking to their doctors in our audience than there are doctors. And that doesn't mean that they're not biased. Many of them are. And that doesn't mean that they're right. The problem is that it goes too far and that like the doctor has all the power in the situation. There's this imbalance and this this frustration when a medical professional tries to tell someone what their life is like, you know? The patient is the authority on their life. Absolutely. And, and they their should own be. experiences. Uh, is yeah. this a good episode? Man, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I can do the flip side of this. I mean, since since you've spent a great deal of time as the the doctor sympathizer here, the the bootlicker, maybe maybe oh. it's my turn to play bone cop, bad cop here. I'm only accepting that because I called you a bootlicker last time. So you did, you did on air, and I left it in for your sake. Do doctors wear boots? Uh, my doctor used to wear Doc Martens. That's cool. <laughs> it's kind of cheesy. That's cheesy, actually. Doc Martin. Oh yeah, Dr. Martins. Yeah, aside from his footwear, he wasn't a very cool dude. I had problems with him for years and complained to you, my dear friend, at length about these problems. So yeah, he was my family doctor, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a pediatrician by trade. So as as you said, you know, he's probably not going to be very pro-cannabis right out the gate. And as expected, he was not. My very first time, I guess, opening up to him about my cannabis use, uh, he just, you know, he read me the riot act. It wasn't a very medically focused riot act. I'd say it sounded a little bit more like a dare speech, you know, like a, a police lecture on uh, on don't do drugs. So that, that was my experience with him. And I mean, it... <laughs> It ends up being kind of ironic when you also consider that my first real experience with opioids would have been from this same doctor, and he prescribed those to me multiple times for multiple things. I remember one time I had a really bad cough that was keeping me from sleeping, and this, yeah, I, I think it would have been my first opioid experience. He prescribed me hydrocodone for my cough. Yeah, it's actually a very good cough suppressant. Yeah, it is. I, I do know this about this, but I mean, it's also one of the those things that is probably going to unmask a fondness for opioids in somebody who maybe already has those latent tendencies. You probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure our listeners do also by now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've kind of alluded to this on social media, but I've had problems with opioids over the years and actually only kind of recently have gotten those problems under control. I'm clean, free of opioids. But that wasn't always the case. And doctors push these just as much as anything else, really. I, you know, I've gone to doctors to explore cannabis as an option before. They're very unreceptive to it, but always very quick to turn around and prescribe you something like this. And I'm not going to say that my opioid use was my doctor's fault, 
But it's, it's hard for me to say whether or not I might have gone down that path if I had never known about my latent fondness for them, you know? Right. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, exactly. That, that question is always going to be in my head. Anyway, things are under control right now. And as I mentioned earlier, I do have a new family doctor, which uh, is fairly recent development. I wouldn't say that he's much more cannabis positive. Uh, when I very, very forthcomingly mentioned my cannabis use to him, his exact words, uh, he wanted to know how much I did. And so his exact question was, how many joints do you smoke a day? Which told me all I needed to know about his position on cannabis. Wait, can I challenge that for a moment? Sure. Why does that tell you everything you need to know about his position on cannabis? Why? <laughs> yeah. How many joints do you smoke a day? It's it's literally just them trying to. Are, are you what? just are you devils advocating me? Right I'm not now? devils advocating. I understand why they do that. I think I understand why they do that. What do you what are you what are you saying that it says? What am I getting at? I, what I'm getting at is that it to me it says my understanding of cannabis culture is very limited and probably is just based on stuff I've seen in the media and heard through the grapevine from my my medicine friends, you know, when I think of cannabis, I think of people smoking joints. And so when I want to know how much cannabis you do, I you know, I ask how many joints do you smoke a day? Which, honestly, if, if he had just asked how many grams, I probably would have felt very differently. You know, we, we'd been in legalization for quite a while at that point. I think it's not too much to ask to say that my healthcare professional not ask me how many joints do I smoke a day? The answer is zero. I don't smoke any joints a day because that's not my preferred method of consumption, you know? Right. I don't, I don't know. To me, that's just, to me, that's just asking how many grams do you smoke, but in a different way. That's stupid though, because they can ask how many grams do I smoke in a day? And I will give them a figure as opposed to asking how many joints I smoke a day, at which point I will have to ballpark a figure in my head and just hope that that figure matches up with what my healthcare practitioner has ballparked in their head. It's just why ask for joints when you can ask for gram? Because patients lie, A, and many cannabis users don't know how many grams they smoke. They don't measure it. It depends on every, obviously it's very individual. The problem is like we're running into an individual problem here. But like I bet in maybe in the 80s, 90s when a lot of these people were getting their education, that was the dominant method of consumption. Okay, sure. Doesn't that still say your knowledge is outdated? Sure, but... All doctors' knowledge is outdated to a certain extent. It's not a profession in which people go for regular training. And that's a problem with the profession. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm just trying to see then, you know, my, my position is that that is a problem, you know, that it seems to me like you're maybe defending that, but I, I would say that that's indefensible. Yeah, I would say that's that's something that needs to change about the profession. Am I defending that? In my approach with doctors, I'm willing to swallow a certain amount of shit in order to reach rapport with them. And maybe this is the only reason that I have luck with doctors is that I'm somewhat of a masochist and I can take it, you know, for the sake of my health outcome. That makes okay. sense? Yeah, sure. So makes sense. But you are right. They need to update their knowledge if that's what they're dealing with. I'm just trying to say, try and understand it from their perspective. See if you can you can get over there. Like you can get over the hump of the two egos in the room, one of whose is going to be bigger than yours, and just see if you can meet that point of human connection in between. And part of that involves looking at your role in the interaction, even if they were in the wrong. So for me, it's more about strategy. It's it's a strategy for my health that I'm I'm going to try to take 
that extra second and be like, okay, this is incredibly ignorant. What is it about their life that might have led them to use this shorthand? You know, some people can't be reasoned with. Many people have bad doctors who just like every time they go in, they're like, why don't you lose some weight? And they're like, I've been dealing with this chronic illness for 10 years and they never get a diagnosis because their doctor is obsessed with a certain, like they're just a jerk. You know, that sucks. But in the majority of situations, there's going to be some common ground that you can appeal to. It just takes a little bit of like thinking to get there. Okay. <laughs> Still licking the boots? Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't know. My, my position after years of being beat down by that process is why is this onus always on patients? You know, and it always is. <laughs> that why? is the shitty thing about our healthcare system is the onus is completely on you. And I can't answer that for you. Well, with that all being said, I think we went off topic a little bit there again. But uh, yeah, with, with that all being said, you don't actually need to go medical if you know you're looking at going medical in cannabis the truth is i mean aside from a few discounts and you know maybe a, a little bit of status some feelings of legitimacy you can use cannabis medicinally without having it medically you can buy from the rec market and still buy products that uh that fit your needs that help your conditions that's there's nothing preventing you from doing that so if you just if you just need to go around the healthcare system i mean we live in we live in a time that that's an option uh, another option and actually, the option that I ended up taking is uh, there There are plenty of services out there who offer kind of like this basically over-the-phone doctor meetings with usually, I think they're registered healthcare practitioners. They, they have to they be are. in some form. They're definitely at least RNs. I yeah. would say they're most likely um, like nurse practitioners. Yes, nurse practitioners, I think, is the most common. So yeah, there are these services that will hook you up with nurse practitioners, and they'll usually, I guess, take some cursory health info, usually a supporting document of some kind. I definitely had to send in some documents to show that I was a chronic pain sufferer. And what they do is basically just kind of take care of a little bit of the bureaucratic work of getting you into the medical system and then just hook you up with, you know, your, your chosen licensed producer. It's, it's a little bit fly by night, I got to admit. The process felt a little quick and uh, I don't want to say sketchy, but it, it definitely seems like something that you want to try as, I guess, a last a last ditch effort, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I would I would say you should probably only use this these services if you need access to medical cannabis and you're certain that your family doctor will not bend. Yeah, so it's great to know that that option is out there for patients. I I wouldn't say it's a first line of action for everybody. Uh, like Enzo was saying, try talking to your doctor. I'm I'm not gonna lick boots like he was, but I will say that it is worth giving it a shot and at least being forthcoming with your doctor as as a first line, and then you know just know that this is an option if you completely strike out with your doctor. And I also want to just say, like, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast will have had shitty healthcare experiences with their healthcare professionals. And I want to say that even though I'm being sympathetic to the viewpoint of the doctors in this segment, I totally hear you also. I get it. It's not easy being a patient. No, it fucking sucks. Patient advocacy it's, is hard. It sucks being sick, and it's it's just salt in the wounds, literal salt in the wounds, to have to deal with the system on top of it. But that's where we are. Mm -hmm. And we've come very far, you know? Gotta got to acknowledge that there has been a lot of progress made. You know, we've come from the MMAR, the Medical Marijuana Access Regulations, which was turned into the MMPR, Medical or mar Marijuana for Medical 
purposes regulations. And now we've got ACMPR and the Cannabis Act. So it's basically just changed acronyms a bunch of times. And I, I think the, the main thing is just that it was ruled unconstitutional to not be able to grow your own plants. So that we can do that now. There, there's been progress. If you, if you are a medical patient that wants to grow cannabis, you can just grow it if you want. That's legal now. Yeah. And you're also going to find that as, you know, older doctors age out of the system and are replaced by newer ones, at least they might not necessarily be pro-cannabis, but a lot of the younger doctors are at least cannabis literate. They at least understand what it is. Yes. It's going to get easier over the years. You know what else is going to get easier over the years? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Sticking to time for the review portion. <laughs> Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast for some reason, we've got more content on the internet. Go to leafdebrief.com to read our latest cannabis reviews or follow us on Twitter at leafdebrief to chat me up personally. And, you know, if you're feeling charitable, do the like, rate, subscribe thing. Your approval is our lifeblood. All right, we are back for the review portion. Are you feeling nice and refreshed? Absolutely. You know, that break was so refreshing, I almost feel like I slept on it. <laughs> so refreshing that it almost felt like a full 24-hour break, maybe? Absolutely. But, you know, what hasn't taken a break is my passion for legal Canadian cannabis. Something that will never take a break. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm going to, like, three months from now, I'm going to be like, I quit. I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to quit weed. I'm going to quit the uh, pod. Yeah, you're going to quit everything. I'm going to move to Nepal and become a monk. And I'm going to begin my yearly conquest of getting you back into cannabis and everything else. How? I'll be in a mountain, a mountaintop resort in Nepal. I'll, I'll find you in Nepal. I'll climb that mountain. I'll bring you some cannabis. How are you going to sneak it across international borders? Oh, you can't tell Many me. Many international borders. You can't tell me they don't grow cannabis in Nepal. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> I definitely can't. In fact, I'm certain that they do. Are there, are there any Nepa it, Nepalese strains, cultivars? We'll, we'll are there research um, that a Nepalese strains? Yes, you may recall our first episode. Uh, we reviewed Tantalus's Pacific OG, which is Nepali, which I remember Nepali OG? a crossbreed of Nepali OG. Just yeah. Editing that episode. Wait, I didn't edit that episode. Anyway. I guess I must have listened to it a few times. It was a great episode. But yeah, you're right. The Nepali OG, I, I totally forgot about that. So yeah, there are there are Nepalese cultivars out there. Good to know. Good to know. So I just did a lot of talking during the discussion portion. So I feel like you can lead us off with the reviews. First of all, let's just count in our patent pending review rating system right now. Presentation, nose, taste, and effects. Presentation covers our visual and tactile impressions of the bud. What does it look like? How does it feel? Are the buds light and squishy or dense? Do they look dull or are they covered with glistening trichomes? Look to this category for nut size, density, texture, humidity, and aesthetic appeal to determine just how much pizzazz this bud has to offer. Nose is all about smell and the olfactory experience of the bud. What does this cannabis smell like when you first crack open the jar? When you break open the buds? And when you bust it up? Does the smell linger in my nostrils or fade quickly? Does it remind me of something I know or conjure up obscure childhood memories? 
Taste. If we're putting it in our bodies, why wouldn't we want it to be delicious? But that's not all. We'll also be evaluating a butt's taste on cohesiveness. Does it convey a flavor well? Uniqueness. Is it unlike anything we've tried? Only tastes we like score well, but extra points are awarded for surprises. And finally, effects. The variations of feelings we get from the bud. Does it relax my muscles, make it easier to focus, put me to sleep, or heighten my perception of music? Casper, on the other hand, will mostly be commenting from a tolerance perspective, starting with, did he even feel it, and working upwards from there. Each category is worth 10 points. We'll add these up to produce a mathematical average, along with a subjective score to account for our own personal feelings. That's right, folks. Sometimes these numbers average out in unexpected ways, and we reserve the right to be as biased as we are as human beings. What are you reviewing today? I am reviewing a brand spanking new bud from Muskoka Grown, actually. So Muskoka Grown are based here in Ontario, naturally in Muskoka. And the first bud that I had the pleasure of trying from Muskoka Grown was their Glueberry OG. That is uh, also the one I sent out west. Uh, so what, what can I say about Muskoka Grown? So I guess the main thing that people were buzzing about when they first released the Glueberry OG was uh, they were one of the first producers, maybe the first uh, to be packing. The first. The first, okay. Yeah, they the first... first on the legal market. That's been a legacy market packaging thing for years and years. Yeah, that's, that's a staple for sure. Uh, but on the legal market, yeah, the first that had appeared in a nitro pin, or nitro pin tack, a nitro, <laughs> nitro pack tin. What? <laughs> Uh, nit- nitro, nitrogen packed tin. Uh, so the, the process whereby the air is sucked out of the package and then replaced with nitrogen, which is an inert gas, less likely to oxidize its contents. It's how we pack a lot of our commercial foods, like bags of chips and shit like that. So it's a, it's a tried and true, uh, tested technique for conservation of goods in packing. Anyway, that was what originally drew me to the Glueberry OG. It was great. Uh, I found it a little bit lacking in scent. That was probably my one main criticism of it. But otherwise, uh, it was good smoke. I found it tasted nice, had a little bit of a peppery, earthy edge. And uh, yeah, I went back and bought it again eventually. So I was excited when Muskoka Grown came out with this new product, which is called The Edge. It really just makes me think of hard rock radio station <laughs> i know the one you're talking about yeah anybody in the ontario area or southern ontario area has probably listened to the edge before what did the edge even play like yeah pop, yeah pop. no you totally had it like i mean alternative i guess but it... right oh sorry yeah we used to call that alternative alt rock it's just alt's been repurposed for whatever the youth of today <laughs> so muskoka grown the edge is a sativa dominant cross between a northern lights and a skunk number one so if i'm not mistaken i took a little peek at your review notes and we've got a little bit of uh another coincidental lineage overlap here between our northern Isn't lights that funny how that happens we did not plan this i promise <laughs> no in fact we didn't even consult each other on what strains we were talking about at all until i pulled up the document and we started talking about them yeah no i i literally just found out so i think that's pretty pretty cool uh yeah so this northern lights skunk number one sativa the edge is is clocking in at 17.8% THC, 0.04% CBD. And the batch I got here was packed on September 25th. Uh, so when this came into my procession, this was actually uh, one of the freshest pack dates that I've ever gotten at this point. Um, so I was just a little late to getting to review it there. And uh, here's what Muskoka Grown has to say about the edge. <clears throat> 
The Edge from Muskoka Grown is a cross between Northern Lights and Skunk Number no. 1. Grown in the purposely built indoor facility in the heart of cottage country, this sativa-dominant strain has a strong spicy scent and a mixture of pine, spice, and citrus flavor, hand-trimmed and packaged like they used to do it. Like they used to do it. Who's they? <laughs> I don't remember my weed dealers ever giving me things in nitro-packed tins, but I mean... But that's because you weren't buying off the mail-order market, which I, is maybe what they're referring to. I suppose, yeah, okay. Maybe that's a, a nod to the legacy market. Maybe that's the they there. Anyway, how they used to do it is this nitro-packed tin here that I've got in front of me. So why don't I just roll right into presentation here, speaking of the tin, because uh, that, that's where most of the points are going to be going for presentation, I'm afraid. Presentation kind of fell a little short. So I was, I gotta say it, disappointed. I honestly was excited to get this here, and when I cracked it open, there's always this little exciting feeling about popping a fresh nitro tin. I always get it on film so that I can share it with our Twitter followers, but this one, I cracked it open. And I didn't post this one to Twitter because what awaited on the inside was just, uh, I don't want to say swag, but it was pretty scruffy. Uh, uh, the trim was, uh, it left a lot to be desired here. It's kind of loose. Again, I don't want to say larf, but the buds look a little immature, to be honest. They're, they're kind of leafy, mostly made up of pistol and stem. There's just not a lot going on there. You squish them and they just kind of flatten a little bit. Uh, not great for presentation. Uh, not very photogenic either. I've been trying to take good pictures of it all night and it's just not turning out too well. So I might just have to kind of stop trying to throw lipstick on this turd and show it for what it is. As I was saying, the, the tin does garner a little bit of, I guess, I guess I'm just trying to say I was more excited about the tin than I was about the weed. So in the end, I gave this a presentation of three. Not not the greatest presentation score. Not the, not the greatest. That I've no. ever given. Uh, I'll, I'll go through it. Honestly, it's not the worst presentation I've ever seen. But yeah, I don't know. You'll, you'll see in the pictures. Moving on to the nose. It wasn't much better uh, either, to be honest. This smell is something reminiscent to me of cut grass. Ooh. <laughs> always, that's... that's uh, I wouldn't say it's a rent flag for me, but it's not my favorite aroma to encounter no it's one that i sometimes associate with mold and while i wouldn't say that this was moldy it didn't smell nice it reminded me of the inside of a mulch bag like after you freshly mold the lawn and it's still really wet and drippy with grass oils and you pull off the bag and it's just got that kind of old leafy smell i don't know that's that's what it smelled to me and maybe a little bit of an herbal note if i had to guess which herb we're playing on here i would say dill maybe it kind of reminds me of the dill the dill flavor in a bag of dill chips more than anything not like a not like a fresh dill looking at the terpenes on this the ocs has this listed as terpenes may vary which i can i found kind of funny but that's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I, I've never seen that before, really. So I hopped on over to the Muskoka Grown website, and we're showing uh, limonene, myrcene, pinene. So pretty standard stuff here. I don't know what what happened on OCS there, but overall, nose of four. This isn't my favorite smell. The cut grass profile. It just reminds me of housework, to be honest, and and molds, like I said. So yeah, a score of four. It had a smell, but I can't rate it higher because. 
because I don't like it. Okay, that sounds fair. I mean, I'm I'm always a little wary of the cut grass aroma because it's awfully close to hay, which I don't like and for me usually signals bad weed. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say that's too far off. I, I'd say if you took the hay smell and then just dunked it in water and let it sit in the barn for a little bit, you'd kind of get something close to this. Mmm, appealing. Mm-hmm. Did it taste like wet hay? <laughs> you know, surprisingly, it, the taste actually kind of bumped it up a little bit here. So I, I had a couple different experience of this, one in the vape, one in the bong. Uh, the bong experience was rough. It was harsh. It was uh, grassy tasting, had a bit of a spicy finish. I don't see caryophylline in the dominant terpenes here, but it certainly tasted spicy. And uh, yeah, under the vape, that was a much more interesting profile there. I know you're going to rail on me about the vape profile always being better, and I will still die on this hill. But this time I will agree with you. It was a lot more complex. So I've been starting to just put my vape at the very lowest setting to begin with and then gradually ramp it up. Uh, Suggestion I took from you a little while ago. And for this particular cultivar, I started off with a very minty taste at the lowest temperature, which progressed into kind of a dilly herbal taste as I cranked it up a little bit. And then went into kind of a nasal spice that lit up my sinuses a little bit, like a fresh wasabi almost. Okay, that makes it sound somewhat appealing. I don't, I've never really experienced that in yeah. cannabis. Yeah, it was uh, unique, I'd say, the way it kind of brought open my nostrils a little bit. And then it finished on kind of this woodiness that I guess might be terpinaline. I don't know. I don't want to pause it on that too much but uh yeah overall it was a very complex experience in the vape so i had i had to bring that score up a little bit to a 6.5 for all the complexity it's above five we're on the positive side of the bell curve yep yeah just squeaking over the average there and then for effects we're gonna hit clean in the middle here i am gonna say that this is definitely a sativa it was very wakeful i did find i was kind of experiencing these moments of like zone ins where my concentration would suddenly hone in on some very small singular thing and I just kind of get stuck on it for a little bit. So I don't know. I don't think this would be the best for people with ADHD. Uh, it would probably aggravate your symptoms. And personally, I found it a little bit zippy and anxious, and it made me feel a little tight in my throat, which could have maybe just been the anxiety, but it felt a little bit physical. So I, I didn't exactly enjoy the effects, but I have to at least acknowledge that they were there and noticeable. So that is going to earn that a straight in the middle five for me. All right. Adding all those together, what do we got? Chaka, 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 chaka. Adding all of those together, we have an average of 4.625. So not really managing to squeak it up to the middle there, but I, I am going to give it a little swoop of my magic wand in the subjective area and say that I'll bring this up to a 5 for the sake of making it a nice, even average, uh, because I did find the taste profile a enjoyable, I guess. Um, interesting enough that I would probably still keep a little around for you to try just for that taste. But I I, <laughs> I can't say anything nice about the way it looks, about the way it smells. So just right in the middle, we're going to call it a nice five. Or its effect. You didn't say anything nice about its effects either. I mean, I said they were there. Except that they were there. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, if that's your jive, if you're really into the like 
wakeful, zippy, zone-in type of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's you, but it's not me. All right. Well, kind of a disappointing showing from Muskoka Grown, but hopefully, you know, this is a new product. Maybe they'll get the next batch. Yeah. And I'm curious, I guess, to see where the Nitro Pack is going to go. Because so far, I've seen it from Muskoka Grown. I've seen tins from Truro as well. And now Color Cannabis, aka Weed MD, has actually started to putting their buds in nitro pack bags, nice puffy bags, the mylar bags, but they're inflated. So the buds supposedly are not going to get all squished like they usually do in the mylar bags. And that will have been the first bud, I guess, that is packed in nitro that used to be packed in a plastic jar. So I'll get to finally compare whether it is actually a superior method. I like, I don't know. I'm curious to it know. It sounds, sounds like it's going to be. It sounds like it. Although some of the, you know, some of the buds that I've had in the nitro pack have been very muted for smells. So I just, uh, yeah, I'm curious to try one that I've already tried in a plastic jar, such as, you know, my old personal favorite Pedro Sweet Sativa, and see if it's still got that same yogurty kick in the uh, in the Mylar bag. So the cultivar that I'm reviewing today is from Color. There we go. There's a nice segue. You know, it is a great segue. Today I'm reviewing Color's Mango Haze. Now, I had heard a lot about this strain online. It seemed to be kind of a, a standout from the Cannabis 1.0 days, but it hadn't been in stock for like I want to say like 10 months to a year on the on the recreational side. It was only available on medical. Yeah, I could never find it, to be honest. No, I, I think it was in those early days, like the good things got bought up really quickly and then you didn't see them again for a long time for the most part right or their companies went out of business you know like it was kind of the wild west yeah for sure it still is it still is (laughs) (laughs) but i so when i saw it finally come in stock again i was really excited to try some mango haze for the first time i kind of struggle with haze strains in general but that's generally when they have a high thc percentage and this one does not this is a three two THC to CBD ratio, but, or at least my batch was, I think it, you know, I think there's like a pretty wide range of what the THC and CBD can be, but mine came out exactly, pretty much exactly um, three to two. So it's 9.5% THC and 5.7% CBD. Oh, that's nice and modest, actually. I feel like that's right up your alley. I mean, I like to get ripped just as much as the next guy. (laughs) all day and sure and there's some you know like i don't want to accidentally get too stoned before i have to like run errands it's easy to do and then like before you know it two hours has gone by and you're just like staring at your phone or like eating some chips so i try to i try to stick to some lighter daytime sadabas if i know i have things to do and this is a delightful one I'm going to read Color's description. Please do. Mango Haze is a sativa strain crossed with Northern Lights number five. There we go. Skunk, not skunk number one, just skunk. Okay. And Haze to create this fruity variety. This specific strain has also been crossbred with an unknown CBD strain. Ooh. So that's four parents they mentioned? Okay. (laughs) No, I'm not going to make that joke. You're absolutely not going (laughs) to. You're not going to say that at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) mango haze exhibits a distinctive mango aroma coupled with spicy sour undertones the flowers are dark green resinous and dense with bright orange pistils our product is grown locally at strathroy ontario just west of the city of blah 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 Grown in state-of-the-art hybridized greenhouses, our flowers and tops are dried naturally to preserve the integrity. Oh, why am I reading this? Okay. Flowers and tops. About the actual- 
We stopped talking about the butt a long time ago. <laughs> so I struggle with haze chains in general. I'm probably never going to have like Neville's Rack or Ghost Train Haze in my regular rotation because it just makes me freak out, really. Too freaky. Um, but I was very curious to give this a try. And the OCS describes it as having a very unique terpene profile. I don't really trust the OCS's uh, terpene descriptions for the most part. It's kind of just like flavor text for me, but it's saying that this one has a mixture of alpha-humulene, beta-caryophylline, beta-pinene, linalool, and p-cymine. Now that's quite a cocktail. It is, and you're not seeing like, there's linalool, and there's pinene, and there's caryophylline, but a lot of these are usually secondary. Uh, this might be the first time I've seen cymine listed. Cymine is is one of the earthy ones. I don't know too much about it. I just, I believe that it's found in cumin. And I think it's on the earthy, spicy side. In fact, most of these are, because humulene definitely is. It's from hops. Pinene, we obviously have like woody aromas. And then caryophylline often could be quite spicy or peppery. Starting off with its presentation. Um, one thing that I was very happy to see when I opened this jar is big, generous size buds. Most of them were around 0.75 grams to a gram. And I don't know, they were they were quite large, a little bit fluffy. You don't always want that. You're generally looking for denser structures, but these ones are a little bit more airy and kind of like round. They're quite dark green like an army green or a dark forest green. And there's lots of uh, pistols visible, but they describe them as orange in this ad copy. And for these, they were quite brown. Not in an unpleasant way, just we're, we're really looking at the kind of like classic camo color spectrum. There's no, there's no vivid oranges. There's no yellows. There's no purples. Right, just like khaki. They're a little bit squished. They're a little bit like oddly shapen. And there's like a very aggressive machine trim, but then like there's like a random sugar leaf on the, uh, the outside of some of the buds. It's not the best presentation I've ever had, but I'm going to give it an extra point. Like I was probably thinking around a 6.5, but I'm actually going to give it an extra point because the texture of it in my hands, it's not as sticky as I would like, and I'll admit that. It's not like visibly super resinous, but I wouldn't really expect that out of a strain that only has 9% THC, but it is quite fresh. This is the freshest weed I've had at the OCS. The pack date I don't have on me. I will amend that in the show notes. But usually OCS offerings are on the drier side, and this is not. This is actually almost too close to what I would call, like, too fresh. It almost is wet. It's not, mm. but it's it's definitely the closest I've gotten in any of my OCS purchases to that side of the spectrum. Would you say that this is the type of thing that I would almost dock marks on for its wetness? You probably would, but it's, it's really just about at that optimal fluffy joint rolling humidity okay within the bud but yeah it might be a little too wet for you that said it's in the comfortable zone for me so i'm giving it a 7.5 because really almost everything i've gotten has been significantly drier than this felt okay not bad and when you say the buds are airy that just reminds me of pedro's which was really not a bad bud either so sounds appropriate yeah and you know i've never successfully pulled off that tight bud structure in my own growing so you know yeah certainly hadn't my haven't either so uh moving on to the nose there's a couple different profiles that this is presenting it's it smells very different when it is in the jar versus when it's ground up but it's really showing us how versatile like woody aromas can be in cannabis so when you first open the jar, there is this kind of cedary aroma. Cedar-like pencil shavings 
Um, so we've got that kind of like interplay between woody and peppery notes that kind of creates that like pencil aroma. And it's undercut by a fruity sweetness and a little bit of acidity. You can definitely smell the mango in the name when it's in the jar, but it's more like the mango skin. Like it's kind of more on the herbal side than it is explicitly fruity. But when you grind it up, you get a totally different scent profile. It really goes into this sharp black pepper smell. The fruit disappears, and it's really just this intense, one of the more faithful, like, black pepper aromas I've experienced in my dabblings on the legal market. Oh, that sounds nice. Quite spicy. Both of those are pleasant. So both of those aromas are pleasant. And it's it's really on the earthy, woody side. There's not too much sweetness. There's a little bit of acidity. But, you know, we, we're lacking limonene that would probably really make all of these earthy, woody aromas pop mm, Yeah. in the terpene profile. So it's, it's really more staying on the earthy kind of duller, presenting a, a more dull texture or a more, let's say, matte texture in its smell. What you're describing sounds like a sauna. Sounds like a sauna? A sauna, yeah. A smell that I associate with a sauna. Yeah, like one of the traditional wood ones. Yeah. Yeah. There's that kind of dryness to the scent as well, I would say. I don't know. Like, I don't think you're going to grind it up and be like, this smells exactly like a sauna, but... (laughs) I hope not. It's kind of there. Smells like sweaty Finnish men. I hope so. (laughs) So I enjoyed both these bouquets. They just aren't particularly, like, forceful. Um, But I gave them both a very respectable 6.5. That sounds nice. We have a similar sore for the taste. The taste profile, I actually really struggled to talk about this one because it has a very pleasant taste in that it has an almost lack of taste. When you first heat it up, there is a cheesy buttery aroma, which totally caught me off guard, but I'm into that. Okay. And there's kind of a slight acidity as though there's fruit in the mix somewhere. It then moves into a spicy, peppery aftertaste. So we've really gone on a journey just in like the first 30 seconds of trying it out. Yeah, no kidding. But from there, it very quickly dissipates. And it dissipates into like a pleasant nothingness flavor. It doesn't, like it it doesn't have any off notes and it doesn't smell of the classic burnt popcorn aroma you get when you're near the end of a vape session. And it goes on for quite a long time, like the entire length of a session, it kind of maintains this pleasant nothingness, which is weird. And I thought it was weird. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to give this a high score for that until I remembered that when I used to be a cigarette smoker, I actually cherished the cigarettes that didn't have much of a tobacco aroma whatsoever. So I thought I'd give this a 6.5. It's not very forceful. But what is there is pleasant. Oh, okay. So same as the nose then. 6.5 for the nose, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Moving on to effects. I really love this strain. I knew I loved it the first time I had it. Um, I've had a few sessions since. I will say that if you have a high tolerance, I think this strain will do stuff for you, but it's not going to mess you up. No way. Not with 9% THC and then 5.7% CBD, like competing for the same receptors. It's not going to be like a particularly forceful experience. And I do find that a session of the mango haze doesn't last for as long as a high THC strain would for me. The experience kind of is about 90 minutes rather than the three hours, I would say is more <laughs> typical for, for a higher THC strain. But that is very, that's very typical for me of high CBD strains. I find the experience only lasts like 45 minutes or something, um, or like the noticeable part of it. So I'm in line, like that's, that's in line with what I wanted. And, I use this as an energizing daytime sativa, sativa, (laughs) and it's mildly stimulating. I'd say more like green tea 
than coffee. It's kind of a more like there's some clarity, mental clarity, but there isn't this like pep in your step, go, go, go energy. What there is, though, is a noticeable analgesic effect, like just throughout your entire body. Um, I wasn't even I had like mild doms just from exercising and it completely went away as soon as I tried this. And I find it delightful, delightful, delightful. If I had chronic pain, I would definitely seek out the strain, I think. You have my attention. Yeah. Give it a shot. I know you're not wild about the high CBD cultivars, but I mean, what what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Yeah, I don't know. I, I've had, um, I guess, just straight CBD oils. And I guess the only reason for my skepticism is I didn't find that CBD on its own improved my pain. And so I was skeptical of, as to whether that was the thing that was, you know, providing pain relief. But Oral CBD is tricky. I find CBD oil hard to dose and it's hard to tell if it's doing anything. Inhaled CBD has a much more noticeable effect and its onset is much quicker. It also does not last all that long. And I think for treating inflammation-based pain, you actually want oral like CBD oil because it's got a longer half-life. Yes, of course. (laughs) But it's got, it's definitely more of a subtle effect. I would recommend trying this, bud. I gave it I didn't actually say what the score was. Overall, because of that combination of like, uh, you know, like a, a gentle green tea energy and a really soothing effect for muscle pain, I gave that an eight for effects. Nice. Nice. That's your best rating here so far. And you didn't find that the haze was too psychedelic for you? No, because it's it's not strong. It's funny. You can get a teensy bit blasted on this strain. You still feel high. You think I would feel high? I don't think that you would feel high. I think you'd feel something from this, but I don't know. All I know is my own personal experience with CBD dominant strains. Which seems to be pretty unanimously good. Yeah. Well, you've definitely piqued my interest in the CBD world. I, I know I keep saying this, but I really am going to have to sample some more of these. The uh, the Charlotte and this Mango Haze in particular, I think you've definitely, definitely turned my sights towards them at least. And the next time I... I guess, make an order. Maybe I'll sneak on a, a CBD dominant strain and just, we'll, we'll throw it onto our next review, maybe. Jasper tries some CBD. Jasper drinks near beer. <laughs> Stop calling it near beer. It's so <laughs> insulting. I know. I know. And I'm sure our listeners are The cannabis fine. plant spent thousands of years developing these cannabinoid profiles. <laughs> For being your selectively bred through generations of shepherds, uh, special earth's medicine, and you're calling it near beer. I am, yeah. And it gets a rise from you every time, so I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Can't argue with that, can I, folks? So, overall, when you add everything up, this gets a 7.125. But uh, I like it more than that. I'm knocking it up to 7.5. Ooh, a generous knock-up. Yeah. Honestly, I like it so much that even though it didn't score an 8, I could almost give it an 8. <laughs> but I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm just going I'm going to be reasonable, and I'm, I'm just going to go to 7.5. Okay, but that sounds like a would-buy again from you. Oh, absolutely. And especially at this price point, it is $10.19 a gram. So it's not really that, you know, Ten that's, bucks. that's smack dab in the mid-range of... The OCS is pricing. Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned that at the start. If you did, I definitely just glazed over that fact. I meant to, and I did not. Oh, okay. Yeah, then that's definitely a very reasonable price point. Much more reasonable than the Charlotte. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, that that one's an investment. Uh Uh-huh. So I think that about wraps it up for today's segment. Yeah, we've got our uh, Northern Lights skunk crossover. I I don't know if that qualifies as a Halloween special or anything like that, but uh, you're... 
your mango haze, I think, might actually be in the OCS's uh, spooky collection there. I, I might have. Because of the word haze? Because of the word haze. Yeah, that's that's all it takes <laughs> to be spooky. <laughs> they're really, I don't know, man. They're really... They're really pushing that definition. They're really reaching on this. <laughs> First of all, it's not even like haze. I think of like, because it's, it's bred out of California. So I think of just like, you know, smog. Not like a spooky, <laughs> evil... Uh, like a ghostly haze yeah no i know and i I think the only other thing they've got in there that even remotely sounds halloween themed is the uh the green kraken the craft green kraken or whatever that you sent me handcrafted (laughs) that that you hate and i just i just hate the name i hate that they put that adjective in the name i don't know if i hate the weed the weed itself seems great it seems spooky spooky well will this episode come out by halloween i don't know but uh, everybody stay safe please stay safe. stay alert and stay sane <laughs> have yourselves a happy halloween see you in a couple weeks I'll record a book for Don't feel pressured. Yeah, I will. Okay. Hit, hit it whenever you're ready. Next time on Leaf Debrief, we talk to an elusive and mysterious cannabis consumer group that every LP wants to have in the mix. That's right. We're talking about women. Women in cannabis on Leaf Debrief. Bye. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah, is that good? I think so. I think we'll be able to.